Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, y'all, and welcome to Trials to Triumphs. I'm Ashley Blaine Featherson Jenkins, but you can call me ABFJ. This week, Survivor 42 winner Marianne Okech talks to me about the growing pains and the rewards of being your authentic self. Having the opportunity to talk to Marianne one-on-one was nothing short of a blessing. I'm obsessed with the show Survivor. Daryl put me on many, many years ago, and I've been hooked ever since. Because I watched her whole season, when I finally met Marianne for the podcast, I really felt like I knew her. But as we spoke, she felt even more like family to me than I could have imagined. The love and connection she has with people is something I can absolutely relate to and is incredibly endearing. If you watched her season, you know that Marianne is unapologetically herself. It's one of the things I loved about watching her. But that didn't always come easy. Allowing herself to be different, or as she says, weird, meant that she had to believe that God gave her these qualities for a reason. What Marianne knows better than anyone is that to be a true survivor, nothing matters more than believing in yourself. I believe that I was created for a purpose. So that means that every single part of me, even the parts that I might hate at the moment, even the parts that I love at the moment, that all they all have a reason. And I hope that like other people are able to go and find their rock, find their solid ground to show that you can be yourself and your true, authentic, genuine self. And that down the line, those moments and shapes will form you to be a better person and people will accept all those quirks from you. Marianne's enthusiasm for life and curiosity about the world reminds me that life is all about the experiences you have, not the things you accomplish. The best thing we can do is give ourselves the grace to live our lives to the fullest as our authentic selves. You know, travel, I'm going back to Kenya. Typically, I only go like every three or four years and now I get to go twice within like the span of like a year or so. And it's like, that's something that I have the ability to do. And that's a privilege in itself too. It's like, you don't always have to be hustling. You can also be experiencing. And in our Sankofa moment, the person from history who Marianne would recruit for a one month stay on a remote island. Oh my gosh, this now has like new meaning because I'm like, who's going to go and make the fire? Who's going to go and catch fish, right? It's the survivor in me. Hi, Marianne. Hi, Ashley. How you doing? <laughs> I honestly, Marianne, I'm already getting emotional because you 
might be the most inspirational person to me in this season of my life right now after experiencing and witnessing your journey on Survivor 42. I mean, you really, you're just an amazing woman. I just want to say that. And I'm so excited to get to know you better and to share your story with the world. I'm really, really excited. I'm so excited to share it. Yay! Okay, so uh, before we get in, I'm going to start with an icebreaker question. Are you down for that? Oh, I'm so ready. I'm so ready. (laughs) Okay. You've done a lot of traveling around the world, but where have you felt most at home in a foreign place? Okay, I'm going to give you my cop-out answer, then I'm going to give you my actual answer. So my cop-out answer is when I'm at, so I'm from Kenya, and I still have my roots in Kenya. So typically what happens when we go to the village, so where my dad was raised, we have a house there. And then just being able to go and stay, like waking up to the sound of roosters and just being connected to like where my parents have grown up is just where I really feel like home. But then if I were then to go and give you my actual, another answer, it'd have to be New York City. I love New York Ooh. City. I love the bustling. It's like, I think the trash smell is an ambiance that you get used to. And that's how you really know. <laughs> I love the subway system. It's like, I'm a really big fan of public transportation and it's just like an immaculate transportation system. And so every time I go to New York City, I'm always like, you know what? I, I, I'll i just never book a return flight and I'll just never go back. So love New York City. Oh, wow. I love that. And especially New York City. Um, my husband, who we fight as to who's your biggest fan. And <laughs> it's obviously me because I'm sitting here talking to you. Um, but <laughs> um, we were in New York. I was there for work in May for like a month and he came to visit me. And honestly, like I have daydreams just all the time about it. New York just makes me feel alive. I would wake yes. up and like open my window like, good morning, New York. Like I, <laughs> I'm like a different oh, wow. person. Oh, it just brings, it gives me so much life. I love New York City oh too. Oh gosh, you're on a different budget on me. The places where I stay, no windows to open. You, you, know, you maybe got like a little tiny crack, like those regulation windows, but not like a good morning one. <laughs> Not yet, Marianne, but why? Just you wait. I can't wait until you come back on this podcast and you're like, actually, I bought a brownstone in New York. And I'm like, see, Marianne, see. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then, there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, Marianne. So, I want to start at the beginning. So, you were raised in Canada, right? In Ontario? Yeah. And so, I want to know, what has Ontario given you? 
oh my goodness. I feel as if one of the biggest things was, so immigrated to Canada when I was three years old. And so a very common immigrant story that most people have is that you move a lot before you find like your long-term home. So from the time when I was from age three to, I want to say it was grade seven, so age 12, I think the longest we ever stayed in one place was maybe four years, three or four years. So every single time I had to go find new friends, find new people, find the place mm-hmm. where I belong, where it's, it's like, what's my niche? Where do I belong? And so even moving then, I was very familiar with like going, getting to go, get to know new people, getting to go and explore new places. And I feel as if that root cause also caused me to have that sense of adventure. And like another good mm-hmm. thing about Ontario is that it's a very, very diverse province. So it's like, I was always going and meeting people of different walks in life, socioeconomic statuses, races, backgrounds. And then, so I feel as if like the constant moving when being young, plus like the meeting so many people have always gotten me to have a love for people, a love for getting to be, know people's stories, a love for like genuinely caring for people. Oh, wow. I think that's also just hearing you talk again. I'm just, I'm so emotional. I I did not know that I was going to be this emotional, but I think it's because you feel so familial to me. Like the way you talk about your love for people and how you connect with people. I just feel the exact same way. And you have such a zeal and a zest for life. I want to find all the people in the world that are like you, because (laughs) to me, you're the best of the best. And I just can't wait to hear how your family has really shaped you in your life. So talk to me about your mom. What's she like? How much of you is her? Oh my gosh. I love my mom. I always say I'm my mom's best friend. So she used to be a medical doctor when we were, when she was in Kenya. But then when she moved to Germany, because I was born in Germany, they told her, you can't be a doctor. You didn't train there. But she's like, you know what? My husband wants to go and do his PhD there. So she gave up her dream to support my dad. So she's always been someone who's been sacrificing and giving. But the passion and drive that she has for learning and helping people, I feel as if I got that from her. Because then when we moved and immigrated to Canada, so she was doing odd jobs and ends, but she's like, you know what? Like, I really do like research. I really like to care. So she went and she got her master's in epidemiology at the University of Toronto. And then, Mm. so she worked at one of the hospitals in Toronto for a couple of years. And she's like, you know what? She's like, my passion has always been caring for people. My passion has always been for uh, medicine. And so she Mm. actually went, like raising three small children. I think my sister was 12. I was like nine. My brother was like six. And then she went mm. study to do all the extra exams she had to do, apply to go into residency. And I think she got one of the fewest spots. So that's why we actually did move so she could go to medical school there. And the school that she went to was a predominantly white school and experiencing that systemic racism and like still being so humble in what she does. Like she just so kind, so caring and just like, if I could be just more so of what she is, I think I'll be giving good to the world. Like I always love to go and have this platform because I can share my mom's story because I think it's amazing. Yeah, wow. Hmm. She sounds like an amazing woman and hearing about her makes makes you make a lot more sense to me too. It, make, it makes sense that you came from a woman as wonderful as that. I want to know, what is your earliest memory of you feeling like the underdog and what did it feel like oh my goodness I'm not gonna go with earliest but I'm gonna go with the one which really stood out and you know so I think across the board seventh grade just is rough for pretty much every single person all for different reasons like just I I think this is like a universal experience it's hormones oh my gosh yeah (laughs) yeah so yeah I remember one time 
just being with my friends, you know, I had a couple of friends, was, was, it was always like kind of picked on on the bus, but like I was pretty headstrong about it. But I remember one time we were at recess and then there were two benches that everyone used to sit at. Then I remember sitting and there was my friends and there were three of us and literally every single other person in the grade were all surrounding the other bench, all trying to sit on the other bench. Like they all wanted to be there. And I remember looking and be like, there's a whole nother bench here. And it's like, you know, if you ask, maybe I'd let you sit, but it's like, no one wanted to go and ask and sit. And it's like, and I didn't feel welcome to go and enter that space, enter that group. Just remember feeling that feeling of like rejection is something that just kind of mm. stuck with me and just being like, well, guess I'm the other. Wow. So how did you practice or how are you practicing self-love and not rejecting yourself, not believing what others may try to convince you about yourself that you know isn't true? Like, how do you combat that? Mm-hmm. So I think one of the things that really helps for me to know my worth and my strength is my faith I'm a very strong Christian and I know that my identity is in Christ. So it's like in moments where it feels like no one likes you, I believe that I was created for a purpose. So that means that every single part of me, even the parts that I might hate at the moment, even the parts that I love at the moment, they all have a reason, right? So it's like looking back, being young, being super weird. It's it's like, it could be, well, maybe I should change to not be weird. But now 10, 15 years later, seeing how people are resonating to the weirdness, seeing how people are like, this is me. And knowing that like me going through that had a purpose to say, hey, I was able to go through that and succeed. And that inspires other people really goes and helps with me staying true to myself as well too. And I hope that like other people are able to go and find their rock, find their solid ground to show that you can be yourself and your true, authentic, genuine self. And that down the line, those moments and shapes will form you to be a better person and people will accept all those quirks from you. Yeah. Because here's the thing. This is what I believe. Everybody's weird. You know why? Because we're all different. So that means that everybody's going to be weird to somebody because we mm-hmm. all have a different makeup. So I I would love to, to see a world where we embrace it more and we all mm-hmm. see ourselves as unique and we're not trying to conform to the scale of normalcy that doesn't really exist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and also normal isn't inspiring. No. Weird is. Weird is intriguing. I would say embrace the weird. I'm weird. Gee. I love being weird. I think <laughs> everyone that knows me would describe me in a as weird. And I fully embrace it. And I love it because... We're both weird and I adore you. So it's it's great. Yeah. I want to get into Survivor. So Daryl and I are huge fans of Survivor. He's been watching it his whole life. I've probably been watching it for, I don't know, I'm going to go with like eight or nine years because he put me on while we were dating. Uh, and it's like our thing. We're always gearing up for Survivor and excited for, you know, the next season. And this season might be my favorite season of them all because your journey, Marianne, was unlike any journey I've ever seen on Survivor. And so I want to go to the beginning. What was your prayer before applying for the show? My prayer before applying on the show was I wanted to have fun and I wanted to be able to share my story to inspire others. Those were the two big things. It's like, I loved the show. I loved Survivor and I wanted to be able to experience it all. But it's like, when you go on the show, you're, you don't 
forget that people are going to watch you. You don't forget that this is a platform that you have. So you're not going and trying to like be like, hi, my name is Maria. This is all the things that I believe about. But through your actions, through situations, how you handle them, people can see your character. People can know about you and what shapes you and that can be impactful. So those were the two really big prayers that I had to go on the show. Well, I, again, am in awe because you didn't mention anything about winning the million dollars. I didn't think that I was going to win. <laughs> I mean, like, wow. I genuinely didn't think that I was going to win. I thought at best, you know, I'd maybe be like a character, get like the CEO award, which is like the fan favorite <laughs> award and then call it a day. But then I remember a couple of days before flying out, my sister was like, why is it winning on your wish list? It's like, it has to be there. But I still didn't feel like I was like going to win. But then I actually had Wendell from season 36 got like contact with me, like through a friend, Dominic. And he's like, I hear that you believe that you can't win, but you can win. You need to come in with that mindset. And I think that's like something. Hold on, wait, pause, pause. <laughs> yeah. let, me, let me catch the people up. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I just got chills. Woo, so Wendell, yes. who won, what season did season Wendell 36, win? Ghost Island. 36, yeah. a Ghost Island. Amazing season as well. Black man, he won. Mm-hmm. We were like, yes, Wendell, you better do it. Mm-hmm. You had decided, you know what? I just want to go have a good time. Hopefully I can inspire some people. Yeah. Your sister's like, wait, sis, you, you don't want to win? You're like, I mean, it's not that big of a deal. I probably won't win. Somehow, God had Wendell call you <laughs> right before you're about to take off and, and encourage you and pump you up. Like, girl, what? I know. Through Dominic, because Dominic was going and kind of helped me through the casting process and they're close friends. But I was talking to a friend. I had a random phone call. I pick up the phone and it's Wendell. And I was like, excuse me, what? It was a very random, but much. And how did you connect with Dominic? Tell us who Dominic is. So Dominic is the runner up of season 36. And so what happened was during the pandemic, the season finale of Winners at War season 40 finished. And then Jeff was like, if you want to apply, like apply. And I remember being like, I, <laughs> I applied before, but I'm like, you know what? I really want to take that time to apply. And then, you know, in the pandemic, everyone was at home. So we all had kind of like a little something. And I had a little extra money in my pocket. So Dominic's like, hey, if you want some help with the in the casting process, reach out to me. So I reached out to him because I always felt I had that personality, but how can I go and express that so someone would be interested? So that's how I got connected with Dominic. And then he was like always such a help, such a great support, really just like my hype man being like, Marianne, no, you can do this. It's like, you can actually get on. Because at first I was like, I remember even applying and being like, oh, well, I'll submit my application and that'll just get my foot in the door. I won't be casted this time, but maybe another time. Like this pattern of like, oh, I'm not going to win. Oh, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. Of that self-sabotage was something that I always have had to fight with in every step of the journey of my survivor journey. Where do you think that self-sabotage comes from? I think the self-sabotage comes from the fear of failure, where you want something really bad. And you know that sometimes the odds of you getting that thing are very small. So instead of going and giving it your all and then failing and then after being like, I poured my heart out and I didn't get anything out of it, you'll be like, oh, this won't happen. Or, oh, I won't try as hard. And then if you do fail, you have a reason that you can go and put to that gives you the out to fail where it's like, oh, I didn't try that hard. That's why I didn't get it. Because that reason of knowing why you failed is easier to process than if you do do it give your heart out and gave everything. And then they're saying, no, you're still not good enough. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot about confidence lately. 
and how helpful it can be at times and also how much it can hinder you at times, right? Like, I I don't believe that the only way to achieve something is by having, like, unshakable confidence, right? Like, it's, it's okay to be a little... To be, to be on shaky ground as you're pursuing something or attempting mm-hmm. something or going after something. That's human. So I've been thinking about like just going with how I feel that day. <laughs> if I'm confident, great. If I'm not, that's okay too. It doesn't mean that I'm counting myself out. I'm just trying to give myself more grace with, you know, especially as an actor, feeling like you gotta be confident about every role. Like, yeah. Do I? Like, there's so many roles that I'm auditioning for. There's so much opportunity. Like, I need to, rather than focusing on being extremely confident, I'm I'm turning my focus to being even more me. Yes. The most me that I can be. And Marianne, that leads me back to you because that's why you won. Yeah. And I even want to touch base more on that confidence aspect, especially as a Black woman, where it's like when you're going for these roles or you're playing survivor or in these situations where you might see Black women being underrepresented or you might see us represented as a caricature, right? So it's like, you know yourself. And if you're not able to relate to what you're trying to do, it's like, well, I believe myself I can do it, but it's like history shows that I can't. So that even puts you on shaky ground where it's like, I know that was such a worry for me going on the show where I'm like, young people typically don't win. It's like the last Black woman won 20 years ago. So it's like, if I looked at that past, that's something that makes me shaky in the confidence, right? So that also might go and lead to self-sabotage where it's like, okay, these are all the things against me. So having to go and still give it your all and still pursuing regardless of how you feel and regardless of whether the odds might be stacked against you is so important. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. There was a moment, and you already know the moment I'm about to talk about. I know mm-hmm. you do because you probably didn't talked about it a kajillion times, but it's important. There was a moment in your season of Survivor where, actually, you tell me about it. Tell me about the moment when you stood up for yourself and stood up for Black women, and you did it in front of your castmates. You did it in front of the world. And it was, I, what, what, before you tell me about it, I just want to say what I witnessed. I witnessed it being incredibly difficult for you. It mm-hmm. was not easy, Marianne, but you did it anyway. And you said, this is bigger than me. Mm-hmm. And you said it with such confidence that I just got chills again. You said, this is bigger than me. Mm-hmm. So tell me about that moment and how it felt in the moment. Yeah, of course. So some context is I'm a big Survivor fan. It's like, and I'm also a big fan of patterns. I love seeing things that are relating. So going into this game, I knew that a lot of times, if you look at Black people being voted out, it's voted at one, two, three, four. Like even most recently in season 39, Island of the Idols, you had three Black people who are voted one, two, three. So I think going into that tribal, it's like I was kind of leaning in towards Tori. I wasn't really feeling to vote someone out. 
But then when I walked in and I saw two Black members, I'm like, well, I know this show. I watch the show. And it's like, and as a Black woman, two Black the members show, on the jury. Two Black members were on the jury, yeah. Which means voted out. Yes. So two Black members. I just want to make sure everyone's clear. If you don't watch Survivor, yes. Okay. Yes. And one of the targets going into that tribal was another Black woman. It wasn't me, but it was another Black woman. And so when I didn't know what was going on before I go into tribal, I was thinking maybe I do want to vote her out for strategic reasons. But when I went into tribal, I knew morally for myself that I couldn't because watching the show, even like people who watch the show and don't understand the show, they see it just in the simple part. They don't see the nuance of strategy, which is fine, especially if you're younger. And I didn't want to walk in to vote someone out and be like, well, and then uh, there's maybe a black girl who's watching it and be like, well, it's like this show isn't for me because these are mm. black people being voted at one, two, three. So I didn't want to be any part of that, regardless of the strategy or not. So I was fine with writing someone down. Then Drea, the, the other black woman who was with me, really got emotional because the person who was voted that was also one of her close allies. I knew that with the way that the votes were, me writing my name would solve everything, but she didn't know that. So she's like, I need to preserve myself. And she heard that my name was being floated around as well, too. And she's like, I need to preserve my sister as well. So I remember going and Drea talking about how she's like, I'm going to play my idol. And I knew at that moment, even when we started talking about race, that I could not leave that tribal with my idol in the pocket because I knew there would always be someone who was like, she played her idol, like she went and she used race as like a weapon. And then just Mm. so she could get further in the game. But for anyone who's a part of a marginalized community and has spoken up about it, you know that you never speak about the issues. You never speak about race because you're trying to get ahead. You speak about it because it's something that is near and dear to you. And you know that there are people who will not like you talking about race. People don't like to hear about the struggles that you go through. So regardless of you speaking about it, you're always going to be putting yourself at a disadvantage. But even though I knew that maybe people in the game would feel, oh, Marianne's trying to use race as a weapon or people outside watching, people, fans watching would be like, oh, she's trying to use race as a weapon. I knew that this was something that I had to do because in that moment, I've watched this. I've seen this pattern and be in a situation where I could change the pattern and I didn't, I don't think I would have been able to continue on because when I see injustice, I like, I want to do something about it. Mm. Yeah, it was one of the most powerful moments in Survivor history. It was probably one of the most powerful moments I've seen on television. What was happening was that you saw a pattern happening. Mm -hmm. And you didn't want to contribute to the pattern of Black Mm -hmm. people getting voted out over Mm -hmm. and over and Mm -hmm. over and over and Mm -hmm. over again. And there is this kind of unspoken and and at times spoken thing that people of color do, but especially Black people do, where we know that we have to have each other. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what the circumstance is. It doesn't matter if we're all competing for a million dollars. It doesn't matter how high the stakes are. Togetherness is more important. Mm -hmm. And so to see that, and then to see you win it all... You you took a chance, Marianne. And again, like you said, it was it's not a chance to us, but you know that it could have been perceived as a chance. And even in the midst of you saying it, there were people that didn't understand. Mm-hmm. They tried. They tried to empathize. But the truth is there's only but so much empathizing you can do mm-hmm. when you just aren't in the situation. But you did it anyway. And to see you succeed and go from a trial literally to a triumph was just, I mean, I was just taken aback. 
And so I want to know, you know, Survivor is a really, 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 really tough game. I mean, it's called Survivor, so everyone's trying mm-hmm. to survive. So while being in Fiji, on an island, only eating rice and coconut water and catching fish at times whenever you could get them, were there times while you were out there that you were so isolated that it took you back to things in your life outside of Survivor that you needed to work on? Like, what did it unearth in you while being out there on Survivor? Oh, my goodness. I think the biggest thing was, what do you do in times of stress? And they happened, I think, two or three times where the biggest one was at the... So at one of the vote outs, I was very close to going home, but one of my allies saved me. But because of that, I was in the out. Like, not a lot of people wanted to work with me. So I think it was two or three days of complete isolation. Like, very few people would talk to me. And in those moments, it's like, I remember just trying to go and go back into my shell. I was becoming more hesitant. I was becoming less of me because of the situation where I was in. But I I knew I was doing this, but I had to think it'd be like, Marianne, it's like, you have one shot to go and play the game, to have this opportunity and like to go and share yourself to other people. And it's like, you're doing a disservice if you let the fear of like the situation that you're in stop you from being fully you. So I think that in those times of situations where it's like always be your authentic self, even if you feel as if you're not allowed to be your authentic self. Yeah. It's so important to be your authentic self because like I said, like no one can duplicate that. It's impossible to duplicate it. And so you have to own it while we're here, while we're on this earth, while we're living and breathing and and going toward our purposes and why we're here. The only way to really do it is by being our authentic selves Mm -hmm. and by being honest with ourselves and with others and, and having a spirit of resiliency. Because again, that's what this pod is all about. Life is not always easy. Mm-hmm. But when, when the dots connect, when the stars align, whatever you want to call it, it feels so, 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 so good. What would you say, outside of Survivor, or it can be Survivor, has been your biggest trials to triumphs moment in your life? I think my biggest trials to triumphs story has been accepting me for who I am. Mm. I've talked about being a weird kid. I've talked about going and like not having a lot of friends. And so my reaction for being young and weird would be I would push people away because what would happen is if I push you away, then you can't be the one to reject me. I'm the one rejecting you. And Mm. I just remember having to switch high school. So the friends that I had, I had to go and make new friends. And then still having that pattern of trying to push people away and outcasted myself. But I remember it came a time in 10th grade and I'm like, I can go and I can outcast myself and then have the people and the friends who support me open up to those people. Or I can take the risk and be open and friendly to everyone and open that up and show them my true authentic self. It's like, and I came into that mindset to be like, you know what? I'm always going to go and let people know my true authentic self. And if you like it, you like it. And if you don't, you don't. And I feel as if that shift was so tangible just in life and moving forward, where it's like people 
wanted to be around that positivity. People want to be around that friendliness. And then I realized in that moment that it's like people want that connection. People want to know, even with their quirks and idiosyncrasies, that mm. you, they'll still be accepted. My whole life has been that trials to triumphs where it's like now, even you, Ashley, you're just like, I connect with you so much. And it's like so many people have been like, I love that personality and seeing where you are. And to know that I never had to, like, even looking back that I never had to change myself to be where I am. I might still talk a little too much, might talk a little too loud or do some weird patterns, but people will still accept you and people are still drawn to you, even for the things that you might feel insecure about. I feel as if that's the biggest triumph. Mm. But see, that's the thing. We say people will still be drawn to it. Mm -hmm. But I, I think just to deepen it, it's the people that are supposed to. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I'm really leaning into like, we don't have to be everybody's cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We have to be our own favorite cup exactly. of tea. <laughs> right. But I'm not for everybody. Exactly. You are not for everybody, but who you're for, who I'm mm-hmm. for and vice versa. That's all we need. That exactly. is what we talk about when we say community, exactly. a divine appointed community Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you can only create that foster that and and expand that by being fully yourself and you can only win survivor as triumphantly as you did by being all of that unapologetically exactly did winning survivor in this season of your life does it really feel the way society thinks it should feel for you or does it feel slightly different at first I actually came back home and I was actually depressed. Mm. I was crying every single day. And the reason why is I love having goals. I had, okay, start university, then do this, then do this, then go on a survivor. And so it felt after winning that I kind of checked all my checklists and I didn't know what was Mm. left. Having so much power and freedom to do what I wanted to do and being so structured was something that I really need to go and process and accept. It's okay to not know exactly what you're doing next. It's okay to go and explore what you want to explore because now you have the ability to explore what you want to explore and figure out what's next for you because you might not know what it is. You might, it might not exist yet, but the path that Mm. you're going to take on is going to be the perfect path for what you need. And knowing that I have that ability to research what I want to do, learn about what I want to do, follow my passions and give myself the grace to pivot where it's like, I can say I want to do something, but realize, oh, wait, this might not be for me. I don't believe in the sunken cost fallacy where it's like, oh, well, I have to finish it. I have that ability to go and pivot and be like, oh, this isn't for me anymore, but it was for me then. What is for me now? Well, I love that, Marianne, because I was actually just talking to some ladies last night at an event I was at, and they're around your age. You're, are you 24? 24, yes. And they were around your age, and I'm 34, so I'm, I'm a decade ahead of you all. But they were asking me, they were, you know, so stressed about like, you know, I'm in this season of my life where I don't know what's going on, and I just want some advice as to what I should do and how I should feel. And you know what my response was? I said, have fun. Have fun, Marianne. Like, have fun. Whatever you want to do, do it. Wherever you want to go, go. Whatever you want to say, say. Whatever you want to wear, wear it. Like, this is the time of your, I mean, it's really your whole life, but especially in this season of your life, don't worry about how you're going to change the world because you already have and you will continue to do it over and over and over and over and over and over again. And you'll keep doing it 
after we're no longer here. So don't worry about that. And as you know, God's already ordered your steps. So as like a big sister, I would just say, keep having fun. Be really, really proud of yourself. I wish I had done more of all of that when I was your age. Thank you. I'll I'll use that as a release. It was very, even when I know I have the ability and freedom to do what I want. It's like, I remember still being like, maybe I should apply for a different job. What am I going to do this year? But it's just very recently, actually, that I, that I gave myself the grace to be like, you know what? You have this opportunity where you're able to take a year off and from doing something mm. structured and just explore. So it's like, you know, travel. I'm going back to Kenya. Yay. Typically, I only go like every three or four years. And now I get to go twice within like the span of like a year or so. And it's like, that's something that I have the ability to do. And that's a privilege in itself too. It's like, you don't always have to be hustling. You can also be experiencing. Ooh, you don't have to always be hustling. You can also be experiencing. Wow. Everybody make it a soundbite. Please, 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 please. <laughs> Marianne, what has been your takeaway from our conversation? I think the takeaway that I've had from this conversation and which I always just is self-assured is that everyone has a piece of wisdom that they can give to someone. And sometimes you need to hear that wisdom back that you're speaking from it. Sometimes you said, I'd say something and you say it back. I'm like, oh, wait, that's actually a really smart thing. So don't be the one to downplay yourself. Don't be like, well, X, Y, Z does it this way. You know yourself and stay true and authentic to yourself. Mm. My takeaway is that I just feel so blessed to have you on this platform and to be able to give you your flowers and to celebrate you and to make sure that you know, that I know that you're seen and you're important and you're special and you're going places. And I cannot wait to continue to support whatever you go on to do. And just how inspiration is everywhere. And it's in everyone. Should you choose to let it out? And I'm just so happy that you have, Marianne. So I just want to say thank you. I love you and I honor you. Thank you so much for saying yes, Marianne. Thank you so much for asking me. After the credits, the remarkable woman who Marianne brings back from history, but not for her survival skills. Thank you for listening. This podcast is produced by LWC Studios for OWN. The show's executive producer is Juleka Lentigua. This episode was mixed by Kojin Tashiro. Managing producers are Camille Stennis and Paulina Velasco. Assistant producers are Michelle Baker and Shanice Tyndall. If you enjoyed listening to this episode and we hope you did, please make sure to subscribe, leave a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast to ensure you hear the next one. Name a historical figure that you choose to be stuck on an island with for a month and why. Oh my gosh, this now has like new meaning because I'm like, who's going to go and make the fire? Who's going to go and catch fish? <laughs> right? It's the, it's, the, it's the survivor in me. Oh my goodness. You know what? Just so I can pick their brain for a whole month would be Wangari Mathai. So she's an environmentalist, a performer. She's passed away from Kenya. And so she actually won the Nobel Peace Prize. And she really did a lot of environmental efforts in Kenya because they were trying to go and make a development over natural land. And she really had that passion for the environment. 
and protested against it. And now that land is protected. Mm. Yes, Marianne. I love that. <laughs> I love that, Marianne. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.